this episode of 750 Mills, researchers have chosen the most relaxing songs that, according to science, can reduce your stress up to 65%. Then we'll talk about a drink that's thousands of years old that can, all at the same time, calm you down, wake you up, and improve your test scores. Finally, have you been brewing your tea all wrong? All of that, plus today's secret link and the Feel Good track is coming at you right now. Hey everyone, welcome to 715 Mills, the show that highlights the good stuff in the world today and points you to news, music, and all manner of genuinely useful, at the very least mildly interesting things. It's all meant to help you start off your day or your week, right? So grab a cup of coffee and three, just waking up, and hopefully by the time your breakfast is done getting ready, you're all set to go with something good for your gut and something to feed your mind with what I've got in store for you today. Welcome to the show, folks. My name is Andre, and today we're going to talk about stress, tea, and music. If you don't want anything to do with the first one, you've probably had quite a bit of the second one already, and you'll want to hear about the third one if you don't want much to do with the first one. This episode is all about making you feel good, less tense, and a whole lot more relaxed. By the end of this show, you'll have plenty of new knowledge and tools to get real good at doing just that. Make sure you stick around to the end. Let's get to it. Stress. What's the first thing that came to your mind when I said that word? Something to do with work, maybe? Or maybe you're worried about things going on around you. When we talk about stress, it's usually to vent, and that's one way you and I use to cope with it. It's not something we want to keep around in spades, and the better we're able to manage it, if we can't completely get rid of it, let's face it, we don't often get that chance, the better off we are both mentally and physically. Depending on what your situation in life is, the levels of stress you experience may differ from what other people feel. So how people perceive stress and how bad it can be for you will vary. What isn't variable, though, is just how much stress can seriously mess you up. Now, a lot of studies have been done with regard to how serious stress affects us. Here's just some of the symptoms that medical researchers have linked to stress. You've got low energy, fatigue, you get headaches, you have an upset stomach, including diarrhea, constipation, and nausea. You got the regular old aches and pains and even tense muscles. Oh, here's a big one. Chest pain and even rapid heartbeat. Some people are so stressed that it induces insomnia and you can't sleep and it makes you more susceptible to infections and you get frequent colds. And of course, you got nervousness and shaking, ringing in the ear, cold or sweaty hands and feet. That's just some of the things that they say stress can cause. Chronic stress can also induce the body to produce an excess amount of the hormone cortisol, which in effect can increase your propensity for depression, it can even decrease your muscle mass, increase your risk of heart disease, and lower your life expectancy, basically how long you live. So yeah, we pretty much agree that constant stress is not good for you. There's plenty of ways to manage stress and unwind. You can go for a long walk in and around green spaces. You can disconnect from social media for the weekend, which I highly recommend you do. Getting regular exercise and some sun exposure. But for this episode, we'll just focus on one particular strategy. And that's listening to music. Here's a report from Inc.com. 
Neuroscientists in the UK have picked out some of the most relaxing, stress-reducing tunes yet. And according to their research, they say that um, the study was conducted on participants who attempted to solve difficult puzzles as quickly as possible while connected to sensors. The puzzles induced a certain level of stress, and participants listened to different songs while researchers measured brain activity, as well as physiological states that included heart rate, blood pressure, and rate of breathing. According to Dr. David Lewis Hodgson of Mind Lab International, which conducted the research, the top song produced a greater state of relaxation than any other music tested to date. In fact, listening to that one song, which is titled Weightless, resulted in a striking 65% reduction in participants' overall anxiety and a 35% reduction in their usual physiological resting rates. Okay, um, first off, Waitlist is by a group called Marconi Union. They're an ambient music group I've personally been listening to quite a bit, and I really recommend them if you're looking for music you, you can use to kind of get into the flow of things when you're working. Um, so here's an interesting fact about Waitlist. Marconi Union actually worked with the British Academy of Sound Therapy, so basically sound scientists, to create the track, designing it specifically to be relaxing with particular consideration to how they compose the entire song. So the beats, the rhythm, the tone, the overall instrumentation, they all put it together to produce the intended effect on the listener that you now know reduces stress by well over 60%, and that's according to the researchers. Anyway, um, ambient is the kind of category of music that you can ignore. Mood music that won't distract you if you need to focus because it's too catchy and all that but still adds sort of a mood to the background of your work environment if you want something more than just plain silence or kind of the hum of the world around you. If you can get into it, um, ambient music is good stuff. I really like it a lot. I think it helps me get more productive. And anyway, let's go back to the report because there's also some interesting things there that, uh, like the paper from Harvard and Stanford that point out health issues from just job-related stress can cause more deaths than diabetes, Alzheimer's disease, or even the flu. And I think they're referring to just the regular flu here, probably not COVID-19. They found that stress leads to other fatal conditions that end up killing up to an average of 120,000 people a year, with something like 180 million US dollars in healthcare expenses on top of that. But here's the really good main takeaway from that article. The science is clear. If you want your mind and body to last, you've got to prioritize giving them a rest. Music is one easy way to take some of the pressure off all the pings, dings, apps, tags, texts, emails, appointments, meetings, and deadlines that can easily spike your stress level and leave you feeling drained and anxious. And here's a complete list of the 10 songs. I know I'm just going to mangle some of these titles and names. So I apologize in advance. So the 10 songs that they say are the most relaxing, according to their research. So number one, We Can Fly by Rue de Soleil, or Café del Mar. Number two is Canzonetta Sularia by Mozart. Number three is Someone Like You by Adele. Number four is Pure Shores by All Saints. like that one, actually. Number five is Please Don't Go by Barcelona. Number six is Strawberry Swing by Coldplay. Number seven is Watermark by Enya. Number eight is Mellow Maniac, Chill Out Mix by DJ Shah. Number nine is Electra by Airstream. And number 10 is Weightless by Marconi Union. 
Melanie Curtin, the article's writer, made a public playlist on Spotify, so anyone can listen to all of the songs that she mentioned here. I'll put a link to that in the show notes so that you can easily get to it after listening to this episode, okay? So yeah, stress is bad for you, man. The upside is that we got plenty of ways to deal with that one way or the other. And now we got the science telling us that music, pretty good way to go about dealing with that. Right, folks, before we move on to the next thing, I just wanted to take a quick break and give a shout out to people around the world checking out the podcast. So thanks to everyone from the U.S., Russia, the U.K., the Philippines. We got people from Spain, folks from Poland, France, and Germany. All of you folks tuning in, I appreciate all of you. Tell your friends about the show, will you? So on social media, I've been posting updates about the podcast becoming available on different platforms, which means that it's now easier to pick and choose where you want to listen to it from. Uh, of course, it's on podomatic.com. Um, I'll link to that in the official website, which is 750ml.fm. But now it should be everywhere on places like the Apple Podcasts app and apps like Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, or whatever podcast app you're using, like Pocket Cast or Overcast even. If you're using some other app and you can't find it there, I'd appreciate it if you could let me know and we'll see how we can fix that. Personally, I prefer using a podcast app like Pocket Cast to listen to my podcasts, meaning other shows I listen to, not just my own, um, because it's convenient. Every time there's a new episode, I just have it auto-download what I need and what I want. Notifies me, I just press play and either start vacuuming around the house or cooking lunch or some other thing I gotta do. It's, it's a lot better than just having to manually visit a web page and play it off there. But hey, that's fine too. Different strokes for different folks. Anyway, back to the show. Would you say you're a coffee lover or more of a tea drinker? Maybe a little bit of both? I'm personally more of a coffee drinker, but there's plenty about tea every one of us should be at least mildly interested in. Some love it for its flavor or variety of flavors, actually. There's plenty of that there. Others for its health benefits. And after listening to this story, you just might be more interested in what the world of tea has to offer. When I say world, I mean world. There's so much more to tea than what you might just find in your own corner of the world. If you haven't had the chance to explore a little bit further and a little bit deeper, what you find might just surprise you. How many types of tea do you think there are? No, exact figures vary and they're kind of hard to get to. One estimate suggests that there are over 1,500 different types of tea all over the world. And these seem to fall into four main types though. You got green tea, you got black tea, there's white tea, and there's oolong tea, the two O's. For each type of tea, there are even more variants within those types. Under black tea, you find varieties such as Assam, Darjeeling, Kimun, Ceylon, Masala Chai, and a lot more. And just considering green teas from Japan and China, you got even dozens more different types to choose from. And each category or type of tea also has its own set of flavors and even their own specific brewing recipes as well. Just as an example, Green teas in general tend to be brewed at around 80 to 85 degrees centigrade for no more than three minutes. And although in Morocco, they prefer steeping their green tea in boiling water for 15 minutes. Black teas is another example. Should be brewed with two grams of tea leaves for about six minutes for every 100 mils of boiling water. 
and this is according to the International Organization for Standardization. Although I'd imagine that each tea house would happily give you more specific brewing instructions if you ask them when you purchase a specific type of tea. Most countries have their own slice of culture relevant to tea, so you got places like the UK, India, other Asian countries and cultures, certainly Japan and China, where the tea plant is native to. Well, first of all, though, when we talk about tea, we mean property, like the stuff that comes from the plant Camellia sinensis. So not the herbal kind like chamomile or peppermint or any of that stuff that kind of get called tea anyway, but don't actually come from the actual tea plant. Historically speaking, the first confirmed mention of tea in any official document is in the biography of a Chinese government official who died in the year 273, though there is some speculation that Confucius, who lived further back from about um, 551 to 479 BCE, mentioned what people believed to be the tea plant in some of his works. And the earliest European reference to tea, written as Chiai, that's C-H-I-A-I, came from Delle Navigazioni e Viaggi, written by a Venetian, Giambattista Ramusio, in 1545. Italians, I apologize for completely ruining your language. I'm sorry. The first English language reference to tea was in a letter written by Richard Wickham, an agent of the East India Trading Company. Uh, it's a letter from June 27, 1615. Elsewhere, in 1638, the Mongolian Khan ruling China then donated about 70 kilos of tea to Russia, which was then ruled by Tsar Michael I. At first, they kind of refused to have much of anything to do with it, thinking, what are we going to do with a bunch of useless leaves? But the Khan insisted. I guess it made sense of it following that, because in 1679, Russia concluded a treaty with China, it had a camel caravan sent tea to Russia in exchange for first. Today, tea is apparently the unofficial national drink of modern-day Russia. It spread further around the world at around that time as well, and the first recorded shipment of tea was by the Dutch East India Company when they shipped a cargo of tea from Macau to Java in 1607. And later on in 1609, the Dutch bought tea from Hirado, Japan, and took it to Europe. From there and then, tea spread to the Netherlands, Germany, France, and all the way to New Amsterdam, which is a small piece of what today is Manhattan Island in New York, in America back then. And this small southern piece of that island was officially a Dutch colony back in the 17th century, so they took it there, across the Atlantic. There's also a few interesting things from the history of tea that has to do with the United Kingdom. And I know you guys love your tea over here, for sure. Tea was first sold in a coffee house in London in 1657. The upper classes began to really patronize tea as a beverage of choice when Catherine of Braganza took the tea-drinking habit to the English court when she married Charles II in 1662. That being said, tea wasn't widely consumed by the British until the 1700s, and even then it was still pretty expensive up until the end of that century. English tea drinkers like to add sugar and milk to black tea, and black tea overtook green tea in popularity sometime in the 1720s. That being said, tea was pretty expensive back then, and the only way the general public was able to enjoy tea was thanks to tea smuggling. 
Eventually, though, the British government decided that that wasn't such a good thing, so they removed the tax on tea, which effectively ended the tea smuggling trade by 1785. And finally, you can't talk about tea and the United Kingdom without mentioning the Boston Tea Party. The Boston Tea Party was a protest that happened in Boston, Massachusetts, around December 16, 1773, because of something the British government did. Passing what was called the Tea Act on May 10, 1773, which allowed the British East India Company to sell tea from China and American colonies without paying taxes, apart from those imposed by the Townshend Acts. These taxes were strongly opposed by the Americans, which they believed was a violation of their rights. So demonstrators, some of them disguised as Native Americans, destroyed an entire shipment of tea sent by the East India Company. They just boarded the ships and threw the chests of tea into the Boston Harbor. The British government responded harshly, and that escalated into the American Revolution. So today, America's independent and primarily a coffee-drinking nation. History aside, though, why should you care about tea beyond just enjoying it as a drink every now and then? Well, according to some research, it might just make you smarter, maybe even help you live longer. Earlier in this episode, we talked about how stress can really mess you up by releasing excess amounts of the hormone cortisol, which is a seriously bad thing. Now, researchers have found that drinking tea can lower your levels of cortisol, which means that all the bad effects of having that stress hormone elevated gets diminished as well. They also say that if you drink at least 100 mils of green tea a day, that's about half a small cup, it looks like it can lower your risk of developing depression and dementia. The stuff in tea that's good for your health are called catechins. These are antioxidants like EGCG, or that's epigallocatechin gallate, I think I'll stick to calling it EGCG, and amino acids like L-theanine, which help you feel calmer and help improve your memory and attention. That, in combination with the tiny bit of caffeine found in tea, is known to improve mood, alertness, and cognition. They also looked at these ingredients in isolation, looking to see what effects they could have on the human body apart from the tea itself. A 2016 study showed that consuming 200 milligrams of L-theanine, which you'd get from 8 cups of tea, resulted in lower cortisol levels and feeling more relaxed than those who didn't. Another study focused on L-theanine showed that it improved memory and reaction time when combined with caffeine. This combination is more effective than just taking one or the other separately. Researchers also think that L-theanine can help the brain regenerate itself and be more resilient against damage and stress to some degree. Apart from those two components of tea that get the limelight most of the time, other good stuff you can find in tea includes nutrients like magnesium, calcium, potassium, and phosphorus, which all have their own set of health benefits. Magnesium is a great nutrient to look into, by the way, especially since some medical researchers have said that the majority of the world's population, especially women, who are modern-day diets tend to be deficient in magnesium. That by itself can be pretty bad for health. So given all the good stuff about memory, focus, concentration, can tea help improve your test scores? Well, in 2014, the University of Basel found that drinking green tea can boost your brain power proving cognitive function in your working memory. 
Another study in 2017 looked at the effects of black tea in a similar fashion, and it found that drinking black tea speeded the performance, improved memory, reduced the number of errors in the various cognitive tasks. Even just a small amount of black tea can speed up cognitive processing, they said. And yet another study, this time focusing on the effects of tea drinking on creativity, found that it improves performance in what they termed as divergent thinking creativity. Tea drinkers receiving higher scores than those who just drank water. So based on these studies, uh, we can safely say that drinking tea can help improve your test scores for sure. Almost like putting your brain on some sort of performance-enhancing drug. Kind of. Don't quote me on that. So there's plenty of evidence for tea's health benefits. But at the same time, there's also some in the scientific community who have been investigating what might be potentially harmful stuff in tea what they call toxic element contamination. Here's what it's about. In a study published in 2013, a few researchers took some off-the-shelf varieties of black, white, green, and oolong tea sold in tea bags. It's about 30 different varieties. Here's what they analyzed. One, the tea leaves themselves. Two, tea brewed for three to four minutes. And three, tea brewed for 15 to 17 minutes. So what did they get out of that? They found that 73% of the teas they brewed for 3 to 4 minutes and 83% of the teas they brewed for 15 to 17 minutes contained lead at levels considered unsafe for a person during pregnancy and lactation. Lead is pretty bad for you if you're exposed to it in any significant amount as it can cause anemia, elevated blood pressure, infertility, and it can negatively affect your kidneys and your nervous system. Of the teas they tested, Chinese oolong teas had the highest levels of lead, followed by green tea and black tea with lower levels, respectively, and with white tea having the lowest levels. All the teas they tested also had arsenic, again with Chinese oolong teas having the highest levels, regardless of it being organic or the regular type. They also found Aluminum in 20% of the teas in unsafe levels, or say, above the recommended guidelines. Ugh. All right, now you might be thinking, okay, so we all know and hear about the health effects and the health benefits of tea all the time, but now that we've gone and talked about all this other stuff in tea that we probably don't want in us because it's bad for our health, should we still bother with drinking tea? Well, the people who did the research talked about just that. They had a discussion. They went on about, look, we got the health benefits of tea. Those are obviously there. They've been studied and they're real. Plus, there's the extra nutrients that we also know are good for us. And we can get them from tea. But now that we know that there's also bad stuff in it, what do we make of all this information as a whole? Here's the thing. They talked about other things that might factor in how much of the nasty stuff ends up in the tea leaves themselves. Where did the tea come from? Which country produced it? What is it about the quality of the soil, the air, the rain, and the water in that area where that particular tea is from that might affect how good or how bad of a tea it is? They even talked about the possibility of contaminants from stuff like the cups and what material the cups used and, and when brewing the teas and how it may have affected the results. So they looked at all of these things and they put all the results in a table which I'll link to in the show notes for this episode, which shows us some interesting things. For example, organic green tea from China 
had the highest levels of lead and aluminum, while organic green tea from Japan only had moderate levels. And then organic green tea from Sri Lanka had the lowest levels of all of those things. Also, black tea from India and Sri Lanka, regardless of it being organic or regular, had high levels of aluminum. The interesting thing here is that the organic black tea had higher levels of lead compared to the regular black tea. So I guess in that case, organic doesn't always mean better.、Hmm. They found that the longer they brew the teas, the higher the amount of bad stuff they detected. So it makes sense. The longer it's in contact with water, the longer the extraction. So they recommend not brewing tea for longer than three minutes overall. I'm not going to go through all of the results, but you can check out the link to see for yourself if you want to dig more into the details. Okay, so where does this leave us overall, all things considered? Look, there's stuff in tea that's undeniably good for us, but apparently, depending on the quality of the tea and where we get it from, there can be some pretty bad stuff as well. So if we want to benefit from the good effects of drinking tea, it kind of falls on us to spend a bit of time figuring out where to find good quality tea. From a reputable producer, as well as trying to do a little bit more than the usual to kind of keep up with what research tells us. And if it sounds like a lot of work, well, fair enough, it is. Personally speaking, I think that having a cup of tea every now and then is fine, definitely helpful if I'm, say, studying for something. And I do use it whenever I have to do some work that needs me to focus properly. So I'm not too worried about it personally. And besides, some teas are just really good, man. They taste real nice. And I'm not the type of person who deprives himself of nice treats if it's just every once in a while. It's not like I'm shoving a box of donuts in my face.、I'm、pretty sure that's still worse than anything else. Anyway, it's time for this episode's featured track from someone who is arguably the internet's favorite band. If there ever was such a thing, it's Pomplamoose, a track from their 2012 album called River Shiver. Which is one of the better pop songs that people who don't live their lives on the World Wide Web might be missing out on. So I don't think I've ever heard this played on the radio, despite everything about this song sounding like it was made to top the charts. You should probably take what I say with a pinch of salt, because I don't listen to the radio, by the way. Another thing you should probably do is listen to the song, because it's great. And it'll be in this episode's show notes.、And、as usual, you can play it straight off the page. And I'll be including links to the album for Apple Music and Spotify as well, so you can check out the rest of the stuff, which I highly recommend you do. They're really good. That's it for this episode of 750 Mills. Make sure you head on over to 750ml.fm to check out the links to stuff we've talked about here. That includes a featured track, the secret link that shows a more modern and global perspective on what we just talked about for this whole episode, plus everything else. Folks, I really hope you've been enjoying the podcast. And if you're liking all the good news, the interesting stuff, the useful things that we talk about here, I'd appreciate it if you tell a friend about the podcast and point them in this direction. And of course, you can subscribe and listen to the 750ML podcast on podomatic.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Deezer. And you can search for and find 750Mills in most podcasts' apps you can download and install. Just type in 750ML Podcast in the search box and tap on the follow or subscribe buttons. The podcast is also available on YouTube if you like it better up there. And as always, links to all of that will be in the show notes for this episode, which you can see on 750ML.fm. That's 750ML.fm. Anyway, folks, 
Thanks for hanging out with me as always. My name is Andre. This has been the 750ML Podcast, and I hope you have a good day and make your week a good one. Take care now.